When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, we are two days away from the kickoff of college football. I know week zero happened, but let's face it, week one is where the action lies. The action starts in two days. This is a Tuesday. We're going to double everything up today. We're going to double up the enthusiasm for football season. We're going to double up uh, social media posts. We're going to double up great guests. We're going to double up uh, our takes, opinions, everything. I'm on two times speed today. That's that's my promise. I want the chat to get fired Fully up boosted. right now. Everyone in the all of our producers in here right now. Everyone, I know they all have different titles. I'm not going to go through all the different titles. They're all producers. They all produce great content. They're all doing good work. We are doubling up every single thing on today's show, Hutton. Starting right now. Well, we've got the headlines uh, today, and we head all over the place. We start in the outfield. Chad, you're watching live last night as Ronald Acuna. Speaking of doubling up, is yeah. two fans, there not one. Two fans tackled and uh, 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 taken down in the outfield at Coors Field last night. What did you see in real time compared to the head? The highlight we're watching now, which is the one I've seen, uh, where Acuna is bear hugged by one fan and then taken out at the knees by the other as he trips over and falls down. Craziness. It was the here. strangest thing because, as you know, on television broadcasts, they they tend to not show you when someone runs onto the field. Why? Because they think that produces more people that are going to want to get the attention right. of running onto a field. So that. the Bally's cameras showed nothing. They It was getting ready for the bottom of the seventh inning. Braves leading 9-4. to four. A.J. Minter, the lefty, comes out of the pen. He's warming up, and like every television crew in America from Major League Baseball, they're showing the close-up of the pitcher with his final warm-up tosses with the stat line below it. And as he throws his final warm-up toss, A.J. Minter just turns towards right field (laughs) to get the ball back because they're throwing it around the infield. And you could see him quizzically look towards right field and just start to walk towards right field in a manner that something was amiss. Something was wrong, and that's when the broadcast team started pointing out that fans have run onto the field, and they have done something. They've accosted uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. in some way. Peter Moylan, who was an Aussie, former pitcher, a great accent for baseball, yes. which you don't normally expect a foreign accent with, with baseball, especially Australian. That's Peter Moylan. He was going crazy on it. He said this is just unacceptable that two fans could go that far – well, before anyone saw them and got to them, the one guy's bear hugging Ronald Acuna. Uh, it was crazy. So I had to go to social media. I immediately texted you guys on the group text about what had happened, but I had to go to social media to see what actually took place because the angles we saw were from cameras in the phones in the crowd of people yeah. getting what, what was happening. Ronald Acuna Jr. said he never felt threatened, uh, said both guys were trying to get a selfie with him, but crisis averted because we've seen some crazy stuff happen. First thing that comes to mind to me is Monica Sellis. Uh, if you don't know that story, Google that one back in the day when you have a fan sprinting towards someone in the field or, or play of, of competition, a crazy night for Ronald Acuna jr. 
Uh, had some good moments also, but I'm just happy nothing weird took yeah. place in the, when that went down. Well, this is why I'm all for, like we, we saw it on Sunday night or Monday night football one in Los Angeles, uh, where one of the linebackers takes out one of the fans with the, that's running on the field protesting, I believe. But nonetheless, you go on to, you go into their area. I, I'm all for guys getting taken out. You know, you know, uh, it, you run on the field, you know you're getting tackled, right? Normally by security. But in the case of what was going on on Monday night, it was one of the padded linebackers. I'm, look, uh, they don't pay these security guys enough. A lot of them are doing it for uh, a wage that then goes to a charity that they're working on behalf of. And if they're not doing that, they're getting the hourly rate, wage and they're doing it on behalf of the company they're working for as a second or third job. Uh, and they're doing that at night. Um, Two security officers were on this, and then a third came in. Chad, there's no way that everyone complaining about the security aspect of this, if fans went on the field, you can get on the field pretty easily. It's really not that hard to just start taking off and have people chasing you. Um, but there has to be recourse of knowing what happens to these people after they're taken off the field. I'm assuming they go to jail. Don't know detained in some way but that's the assumption I, I would hope the deterrent is more than just seeing them uh being you know taken out you know in and what is a a manner of like you, you think they're being escorted out and headed to a, a holding cell yeah, but they, I, who knows they honestly. were detained um peter moylan had the funniest line in the braves broadcast said someone handcuffed this guy because it took three guys to bring down the one guy who came sprinting after Ron Acuna Jr. My first assumption was drugs. When I saw the second guy sprinting, the first guy just seemed a little loopy well, and was giving him a hug. The second guy in the dead sprint that they were having a hard time getting away from the field. We see a photo of it right now when it had three people. I thought he was either on meth or some sort of hallucinogenic like acid and just ran on the field and thought something crazy was taking place. That's the way he was behaving. That was the only time I got really nervous was seeing that part of it when the second guy came running well, and after And that's the way Acuna. you have to treat them, even if you don't know. And, I, I mean, just being on uh, NFL sidelines, these guys don't have handcuffs on them. It's not like they walk around with security and they've got, you know, they're all, they're ready to go for any altercation. They're there just to keep the peace until yeah, they don't have tasers or anything show either. Up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, a lot of these people have nine to five gigs and then they're there just... As a deterrent, they're there for optics more than anything. Yeah, it, I, I think the we know some people who work in security yeah. also. And I, look, there's it's just like anything else. You know, there's good and there's bad. We get in this discussion a lot with uh, uh, referees, officials, umpires. Hey, you know, they're there not making much money. Let's be happy someone's willing to do it and not get caught up in the minutia of it if there's a bad call here or there. And mostly I agree with those things. I think with security guards, my assumption is always these guys and girls want the action. Like they're doing this job because they want to take someone out if someone gets on their field or does something. So it's always surprising when they're slow to react. Sometimes they get criticized for being too fast to react and being too forceful getting people ground. I, I'm with you, Hutton. I don't, I don't care how forceful they are getting someone to the ground if they go onto the field. That's just part of it. That's the price you pay. So – I'm not going to sit here and you know rail on Rocky security that's making minimum minimum wage. 
I think the misconception from a lot of people that see something like this is these are Secret Service agents that protect yeah. these fields, and that's just not the case. Yeah, if you want the action, that's not go, reality. You're you're a bouncer at a bar. If you want the action, those yeah. guys like to fight. At One, two a.m. Yeah, those, those guys. Like that's to fight where you're looking people. for to let out some aggression. Not at a ballpark in the middle of the seventh inning of a Major League Baseball game. That, what was the to score? Out, nine to what? Uh, it was nine to four at the time. The yeah. final was fourteen to four. Some of those guys, though, they want to they want to show off that form tackle one more time. Every now, relive and then. their high school glory. Just show they can still do it. Chad, uh, Jonathan Gannon may give Nathaniel Hackett a run for his money this year. Uh, now the new head coach in Arizona, who uh, has admitted they had Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy has been the number one QB, QB one all offseason, OTAs, mini camp, all the way through camp, and the new head coach Jonathan Gannon at a presser, says, hey, uh, yeah, we, we've released Colt McCoy because we saw the entire body of work and we feel like, you know, we have better options. Paraphrasing. But one of those better options is Joshua Dobbs, who's been the backup QB in Cleveland on a second stint there. In his first stint in Cleveland, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach now in Arizona uh, were coaching him there. He now enters and is in the running to be the starting quarterback week one against Washington. Jonathan Gannon is saying he's not going to name a starter, even though they're going to continue to evaluate both Dobbs and Clayton Toon as they get ready for week one over the next couple of weeks. Quote, I'm not going to name a starter. Chad, this is, uh, this is them naming a starter for 2024, is it not? They're at least trying to name a starter in 2024 because they have released Colt McCoy, who by all accounts is the best option, even though the reports were that coaches were really looking at Clayton Toon, who was taking all of the second team reps. But it was it was clear who the QB one was until he wasn't Colt McCoy. And now it could be Joshua Dobbs, reminiscent of last year, who on four days notice came in and made his first start for the Titans over their backup option, Malik Willis. So. Remember when Brian Flores accused Stephen Ross of trying to get him to tank yes. a season and said that's why he was fired because he did not fall in line with trying to lose games for like a hundred grand or something. Yeah, trying to pay him off and give him you know the, the, some sort of benefit to tanking. That's part of the reason he lost his job was because he would not. Um, he, uh, Jonathan Gannon cannot be Nathaniel Hackett this year for this reason. I, I think he's doing his job. His job is to lose. They're tanking. Well, that organization wants the number one and number two overall pick. I, I mean, I, I don't know any other way around it when you see what they've done and how they're trying to completely reset that organization. Um, I don't think they traded for Josh Dobbs because they think Josh Dobbs is the missing link to get them into the playoffs. Nathaniel Hackett was hired after they gave up a ton to bring in Russell Wilson to make sure that they were going to be a team that could contend for a Super Bowl. And he burned the whole thing to the ground and did a terrible job. And Russell Wilson helped him do that because he was awful a year ago as well. This is a completely different situation. This is one where the Cardinals – I'm shocked by the shock that the Cardinals are tanking. When they see, you see the situation, oh, they, they cut Colt McCoy. What are they doing? Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon, they're trying to get the number one and number two overall pick. I think it's pretty obvious what they're doing. Well, he, they don't want to win. He's pointing to competitive advantage for why he's not going to name a starter. The interesting timetable will be with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray starts the season on the physically unable to perform list. He's coming off of the ACL injury. Uh, the timetable for him 
should be around mid-October to the end of the month based on just how things will work out. Right now, he won't be eligible to return until the end of, until the end of September, early October. Then he will have 21 days once he's activated to play or he goes back to PUP for the rest of the season. Point being, if they insert Murray into the lineup, that's one thing. And if they go down this, they've got Toom, Dobbs, Blau, and Driscoll as their four quarterbacks right now with the cut down coming up. They may not even carry a third based on comments made by the coach. Um, but trust me when I say, Chad, the, the guy brought in to gear up for the future is Monty Austinforth, the new general manager. Jonathan Gannon took this gig, and he's in a no-win situation as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals now because he doesn't have a QB. They didn't have the backup stay, and now they're stuck with a situation as in the worst depth and the worst starting roster across the league. I would hope that as someone that was brought in, he's being told, especially Monty Austin Ford and ownership, that, hey, this is a complete reset. It's not even a rebuild. We're, you know, we're not really building much this year. The roster is going to be meager in your first season. Do the best you can with what little you have, and we are building this thing back starting with the rookie class this year and what is going to be an absolute haul a season from now in the draft, and that's the team that you're going to coach. I, that would be a pretty bad way to go if you took this job, and because they go 1-16 or 0-17 this year, well, you lose your job if you're Jonathan He took Gannon. the gig. Not many wanted it. People were turning yeah. it down, not even taking interview requests. I think you'll be fine, and I'll be surprised if Kyler Murray plays another plays a snap this season. Chad, the uh, Spain and the government, they're looking into, they've launched the investigation into the Women's World Cup kiss from the Spanish soccer president, uh, Luis Rubiales, uh, against uh, Hermaso. And she, he has said it was consensual. She has said it's not. The Spanish team is saying that they're not going to play until Rubiales resigns or steps down. He has resisted pressure to step down, given the backlash. Um, his mother is on a hunger strike, saying that her son uh, is, on a, is being treated at, from an inhumane hunt, is, uh, is her quote there. Uh, meanwhile, he's already been suspended for three months by FIFA, but the players aren't returning until he's not there. He can't return if they want the players to. The investigation will end up having him step down. He'll be told... He's not welcome back as the president of soccer. It's very odd because the initial response to this was nothing to see here from the woman who was kissed from him that he admitted he was, you know, overly excited, wish he hadn't done it, but was just caught up in the moment in the, the Hermoso, the woman that he kissed even say, yeah, I kind of wish it didn't happen, but I understand the emotion of the moment. And even uh, her teammates and her had a quote saying he was 10 out of 10 in terms of being above board with the team and with us throughout this whole thing. But he said it was consensual. And, he, and she's like, no, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know why he's, he's saying that after the fact. But everything that she said right after it was, you know, I wish it didn't happen, but it's not that big of a deal. And said that it was, uh, you know, everything was above board with him. So we'll see. Uh, also, the U.S. Ryder Cup, the team's been selected. Brooks Kepka. Uh, is one of the six captain's picks uh, for the team. And he's the PGA Championship winner. Of course, finished second at the Masters. 
Uh, Chad, he nearly automatically qualified. And consider what this story would have been six months ago, eight months ago, as you have Kepka on live as one of the captains for the Ryder Cup. Story no more. Just a guy who's clutch being added to the team in an international competition. It's the right move. Ryder Cup coming up Friday, September 29th through October 1st. Coming up next with us, Michael McHenry. All things Major League Baseball next. Sixth and Peabody are location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow with you across the Outkick Network. It includes our YouTube channel. You can search out Outkick there and join Chad in the chat. Hope you'll subscribe. Hit the like button. Ring that bell so you know we go live each and every day, 3 o'clock Eastern to 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on Hot Mike. Chad, uh, NFL cut down day happening now. We are about 40 minutes away from the deadline. Um, by and large, a, a large number of the players have already been notified um, in, in some way. You've got uh, Colt McCoy, who knows he's out in Arizona. Cade York, uh, fourth round pick last year. Yeah. He's cut uh, as the kicker in Cleveland. Cleveland made quick work of him. Houston linebacker Christian Kirksey, Chicago offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood, and uh, New York Giants running back, former Jags running back James Robinson, who they traded for last year. Uh, he is also he's also been cut. Uh, those are the notables so far, and what is going to be what fifteen hundred or something roughly players that'll be cut loose, and then sixteen can be signed back to the practice squad once they clear waivers, which is a twenty four hour period. Those lists will be out tomorrow around 4 p.m. Eastern. But we still also wait for the deadline of Jonathan Taylor. Keep that in mind, too. Colts gave him a deadline of 4 p.m. Eastern on cutdown day today. See if he could seek a trade. Didn't really see the Alex Leatherwood uh, bust coming when he came out of Alabama. Uh, both uh, the Raiders now and now with Chicago. Uh, not working out for him in the NFL. There's always the cautionary tale. As important as kicker is in the National Football League, Hutton, drafting a kicker, I feel like more times than not, does not work out for the team that does so in the middle rounds or above. Cade York, the latest example for Cleveland, fourth-round pick, cut a year later. Indy did it. Someone's going to pick him up. Rodrigo Blankenship in Indy's another good example of that. And we got a lot of examples of it. Um, it, It just doesn't seem to work out. Too often, even though it's an important position, I can totally understand justifying a guy you truly believe in. Because if you get the kicker and he's good and he's mentally strong and he keeps himself physically ready to go, it's not pulling things when he's kicking. It's a, I've always described it as a Supreme Court justice of the NFL. It's almost a lifetime appointment. It can be. How many Thanksgivings did we watch Jason Hansen knock it through the uprights for the, the Detroit Lions? All because he was a very good kicker. That could do it for a long time, but it's becoming more and more of an issue for teams, especially when they use a draft pick on kicker. Uh, Two kickers traded today. The Patriots traded kicker Nick Folk to the Titans for a seventh round pick. The Titans didn't even have a kicker on their current roster. They do now in the veteran. He had 89% of his kicks over his four seasons in New England. Uh, New England had a luxury there, and instead of cutting the vet they end up trading him and get a pick in return and uh, same goes for Denver they trade for New Orleans veteran Will Lutz so he'll now be treat uh, be kicking at mile high traded to uh, Denver to begin the season uh, 
Chad, we've got college football to begin the season coming up in two days. Florida and Utah, Thursday night. Let's get it going. I'm ready to go. And, and, and from this perspective, I was stunned. I, sh- I shouldn't say stunned. Surprised. I'm never stunned when the SEC does their, it does their way of, of playing football, winning in the trenches. But Utah was known for being stout up front a year ago, bringing guys back. We knew their, their defense was legit. And they end up winning the Pac-12 again, back-to-back seasons. <clears throat> but that opening weekend, Chad, Florida controlled the line of scrimmage. That's the key to this game again. And yeah. they, they had Anthony Richardson moments. All of that's fair. But can the Gators control the line of scrimmage against Utah once again? It was a close battle, but it was a, it was a battle that Florida was victorious in because in the trenches, they got the extra yards when they needed to to close it out. Yeah, it looks like Cam Rising coming off the ACL injury is going to start in this game. That's, that's big for Utah. I thought a year ago. I don't know that and he wasn't great in that Florida game. Florida did, yeah. Florida did well on the on in the trenches. I don't know that they dominated because there were still some long drives for Utah where they were just running it, running it, running it. It's a throwback type feel with yeah. them, right? The way they line up and they go heavy, and they're going to have a lead blocker at times, and it's going to look like. 1980s, 19, early 1990s football pre-spread at times for Utah. Very excited to see this game. Excited to see the atmosphere. I've never been, but every time I see it on TV, one of the most underrated atmospheres in all of college football is Salt Lake City in Utah. And on a Thursday night to open the season, should be electric mm-hmm. for Utah versus Florida. All the thoughts on Billy Napier, I mean, is he in trouble in year two because he didn't get much out of Anthony Richardson? I think you've got really kind of a balancing act, too. If Anthony Richardson goes and immediately lights it up for the Colts and Florida struggling this year, how's that going to make Billy Napier look? I don't think Florida's going to be as bad as some expect. I expect a bit of a bounce back from Grant Mertz where he's going to be better than he was at Wisconsin, but it starts on Thursday night. Excited about that one. Excited about Minnesota hosting Nebraska. We're going to talk a little bit later, Hutton, about good surprise, bad surprise in our prediction for Big Ten and SEC a game that we started yesterday with another big proclamation today. And I, I may focus in on on that game Thursday night, starting out between Nebraska and Minnesota. Yeah, we, we may get to that in just a moment. But the, the, the key area here for Florida, and you mentioned the job security. Uh, Billy Nate, uh, the Florida fans I speak with, you know a couple of them here. They say he's not on the hot seat this year. That he's getting one more year because last year he was more or less given the the blank sheet of paper and, and said, "Hey, get rid of who you need to run off who you need to run off." And he did. I mean, he kicked off the leading tackler who was returning from the Gators defense, for instance, before the season started. Um, he's just now getting back to bringing in the players he wants there, and to me, he gets one more year given the expectation. The SEC and Big Ten, for the most part, you eat your own as fan bases. Everyone's guilty of it. You get three to four years. Napier deserves that, considering how young Anthony Richardson was and him entering the draft when, by and large, many NFL scouts said he needed another year. He needs a redshirt year. He's not going to get that. And that's why Indy's already like putting out the 
the flashing light saying, hey, beware here. This is going to take some time. It may get worse before it gets better. That's the case at Florida, too. I think you can describe them the same way. And where would you set expectations? I don't think they're going to... Chad, when you say they're not going to be as bad as what people think, is that just a 500 season? Like, I think they're a six or seven win team. But that's based in part on their schedule, but based in part on the fact that they'll win a game they shouldn't, and then they'll lose a game they shouldn't. Well, there's two big ones early at Utah, home against Tennessee. I think that game's huge for both Tennessee and Florida. Um, Tennessee in the swamp, swamp, which they have not won in Gainesville since 2003. I was a junior in college uh, the last time that happened, so it's been a while. Um, I I think expectation for Florida is always 8, 9, 10 wins. Now, what's realistic expectation this year? I think they'd be okay with 7 or 8. But, I mean, I'll throw this hypothetical out there. If they're 6 and 6 or 5 and 7, and you poll Gator fans and say – let's stick with Billy Napier for another year or go hire Urban Meyer to come back? Which would they pick? Especially after Swamp Kings just aired? <laughs> I mean, they would go for the big name. I, I, I totally agree. It is a bit unreasonable to want to fire him after two years, regardless of what happens this year. But I have found Florida to be an unreasonable place at times when it comes to patience. And all of the success they've had since they brought back Steve Spurrier as a Heisman Trophy winner to be the coach, they have been almost nothing but crazy successful from that point on in the early 90s to now has built up a level of expectation that it's not okay to lose to all the good teams on your schedule and to to lose to Vanderbilt the way they did a year ago. That's not okay at Florida. So I am anxious to see what happens. It's going to be tough early on. Utah, then they get a break, then they get Tennessee, then they get a break with Charlotte, and then Kentucky in the first month. You're right about home playing at home. Though. They were 5-2 and two at home a year ago, and their home schedule's better this year than it was last year. Yeah, they, they could very easily be 2-3 and three to open the season. When you look at Tennessee at home, at Utah, at Kentucky, before you get to October and hosting Vanderbilt, if that's the case, I don't think it will be. They're going to win at least one of those games. But if they're not 3-2 and two or better... After September, the heat is going to be turned up on Billy Napier, whether it should be or not, whether he needs to get an extra year after this one or not, regardless of record. Oh, then, then it's two all. and three, it's, it's going to turn up the heat. But I, we also, and it won't, it won't matter in the moment. You're right. You have to factor in the Rashada BS that took place and how they end up with Mertz. I mean, all of that plays a factor uh, where you've got a guy coming in and then all of a sudden he's not because – you overpromise something from from the collective point of view. Um, that that also needs to be considered. It won't be. I mean, that, it, in, in the SEC, by the time it rolls around to that, it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. Speaking of losing, Chad, you know. By the way, you know what else is going to be considered on Florida's behalf? They're currently third in the country in recruiting for this next class. That's, that's big behind I, again, Georgia and Ohio State, ahead of Alabama, Florida State, Tennessee. At four, five, and six. He, he gets he – And that get, is always step time. one. He's got to have some time there based on what he ran off. Yeah. You know? And that's what he was tasked to do. So, well, it's, it's crazy looking back, and I because I, I, I just saw it, I keep going back to watching Swamp Kings. Mm-hmm. They lost three games in Urban Meyer's first year, and it was the end of the world <laughs> to Florida fans. It was this guy's never going to be Steve Spurrier. He is nothing compared to him. We got to look in the other direction. And they were talking like it was life or death to get Tim Tebow. That if Tim Tebow chose Alabama over Florida, 
it was going to be a death nail. Urban Meyer was saying as such that he felt like his job depended upon Tim Tebow committing and signing with Florida. They get Tim Tebow and they get the number one class in America on top of that because he recruited a lot of guys there. Then they got the number one class the next year. And guess what they did? They won two national championships in three years. So if it's a similar path for Billy Napier, he's off to a good start in this next class. They're third nationally. They're getting in-state talent. They're getting the guys that they want. So that's good news for Billy Napier. But a two and three start would not be good. Chad, just tying in Rashada, he's now at Arizona State. And they have the self-imposed bowl ban where they're not going to participate in the in the postseason. Dillingham is there. He's back at his school at Arizona State, at taking over as the head coach. This stems from violations of the Herm Edwards era. Herm Edwards, back with ESPN. Five other coaches bailed prior to any of this uh, being... It's been a three-year investigation, I believe. They've been, Five other coaches have bailed since then. And the recourse, at least for now, not on the NCAA's stance, but from the university stance, is a self-imposed bowl ban now. The goal right now for Arizona State and the entire push all offseason has been about getting just to a bowl game. And instead of just taking a fine or whatever it would have been, like the Vols did, Now, it's a hefty fine, but Arizona State is relevant in the Big 12. They have found their parachute. I don't know why, with the momentum that you're trying to obtain, you don't have it, you're trying to obtain it, but you've got the energy there with Dillian. We played some clips of him this offseason. We like what we hear from him uh, in regards to NIL and, and, and his reaction to players he wants on campus. Chad, Their goal is the Sun Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, the Holiday Bowl. I don't understand why this is the penalty and announcing it on the Sunday going into week one of the regular season after everything has been put in to going into the year ready to win six games. You know, it's not, this is not the same as competing for a college football playoff spot or competing for a New Year's Day bowl game. They're a talented team and they have young talent, but they're facing like four or five top 25 opponents. They believe. It, it, they believe they're not going to be the team they're actually believing they're going to be. They're not going to be world beaters, but they can be a bowl team. And for that to be the recourse of the almighty NCAA and the fear of them coming down and potentially taking away future games or, God forbid, vacating wins... I don't know why this is supposed to deter the NCAA and any penalty they decide to hand down in the future. So much of taking over a new job, and I'll try to get through this quickly. We got only got a short amount of time left in this segment. So much of taking a new job is not just recruiting and scheming and finding the right coordinators and doing all that. It's building a culture, and it's getting guys to believe in you. And it's being 100% genuine and honest with them and being real because players see through BS. For Dillingham to take this and now essentially spit in the face with the university of the players that are there, that stuck with the transition, that are there to play for him, and tell them right before kickoff of their season that you're not going to be able to compete in a bowl game or postseason, I don't think that's a good start. And I don't think it's Dillingham's fault. But that's not the foot you want to lead with when you're starting to build a program. You don't want to look at it like, oh, I inherited these guys. I don't care about them. 
You want them to be your guys because they're your guys. To their credit, they responded with a great practice. They play on Thursday, by the way. Michael McHenry joins us next on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Sixth and Peabody Air location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by former major leaguer and uh, host of a brand new podcast, The Fort. Michael McHenry joins us, Major League Baseball analyst, our analyst here. The new podcast, Flash Fortward. Uh, love the name, uh, Michael Michael McHenry and his co-host, Zach, uh, Jack Wilson, uh, will be on the pod. He's been it, a guest of the show. Yeah, and it, pre, it premieres tomorrow, correct? It does. We we may drop it a little early. I mean, oh, okay. there's a lot of excitement. I can hear the uh, the stuttering in your voice, how excited you are for this <laughs> podcast. So I may drop it I'm, today. I am. Uh, it's always great info. So, yeah, I, like I, little, I need a countdown clock. It's like a little Christmas present. You know, drop it around 11 p.m. midnight tonight. You wake up tomorrow and there's a present underneath your tree, and it's in the form of your podcast episode. I may just have to hire you guys for management team. I'm I, here. I like this. I'm available I like what's for going hey, on here. Real quick, give us a synopsis of uh, of the podcast and, and what you hope uh, we, we all get out of it. So we want to focus on life, family, faith, and then obviously ball. I mean, the game gave us a lot. We want to get back to it, and we're both into development, and we're very enthusiastic guys with high energy, and we want to get back to the game the best we can, but remind people that there's – there's families involved. There's kids involved. There's a lot of things going on through your journey to the big leagues and really not shy away from it. So we're going to bring on guests. We're going to do different things. We're going to have a lot of fun. I mean, we did some, some fun stuff early on. We did an oppo intro to start it out where I pretended to be him. He pretended to be me and we introduced each other. So that way we weren't digging ourselves, but really we were digging ourselves. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And sure enough, we'll have both of you guys on to have, have a good, good ball talk. He's a huge fantasy football guy. I'm going to learn and try to figure it out. I'm kind of like, a meathead when it comes out stuff not very good i like to be the gm or the owner and just say hey here's here's my money to try to win and just kind of walk away and see what happens flash fortward the new podcast with michael McHenry and jack wilson it uh, debuts tomorrow so I, I am curious you guys are having fun on that podcast was ronald acuna jr and his teammates having fun when two fans left the stands to go give him a hug uh, last night in, in denver pretty wild scene there uh fort what what did you make of it the security guard tackling those guys. Like you couldn't go in with for a softer landing there. You almost hurt Acuna and Acuna Jr. And the reality of it is if you take him away from that team, they're not the same team. They're still a very good team, but they're not the same team. So you've got to be careful. Those guys got to have an understanding, you know, when they actually do wrap up those players, I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. is one of the best athletes on the planet. He could have taken care of business. He did a great job of just kind of staying there like a statue. Dude just wanted a hug. But I mean, <laughs> he's <laughs> These guys should not be able to get on the field. The reality of it is it does happen. And sometimes we make it a bigger deal. Look at look at him right now, just just uh, sitting there on the sidelines, just watching what's going on. I mean, it's always a funny joke as long as no one gets hurt. That's the that's the and, and he that was no he was fine, right? Like Acuna yeah, was, was immediately laughing and like giving the thumbs up there, asking him, Can you keep going? Are you okay? And he had no issue with it. It looked almost like, remember the game like in middle school and high school when you would get on all fours behind your buddy and someone would shove you and you'd fall back <laughs> over your buddy who was sitting there? The second guy that came through with the security guard behind Acuna and he tries to hug him and knocks him over just like that game back in high school. I'm like you. I, I'm glad no one was hurt in all of that. But you don't, you don't see that in every game. You, you don't. They actually don't show a lot of it. It happens all the time. And a lot of times, unless national television or ESPN or somebody picks it up 
they don't show it. I mean, a lot of times when it's happened at Pittsburgh, they don't even pan towards it. It's just this delay. And it's like, what's happening? You look over at camera 16. It's like, oh, dude's running across the shirt off and he's diving over the tarp into the stands. It doesn't realize there's a net, which happened last year. Ronald Acuna can become the first player with over 30 homers and over 60 stolen bases. He needs one more home run to do that. Right now, the odds on favorite at DraftKings Sportsbook to win the NL MVP is Mookie Betts. Who would you vote for right now and why? I would vote for Acuna Jr. and or Freddie Freeman because both those guys are doing some things that are unprecedented. You, you think about beating you know, uh, records that have been set for 50, 60 years. Both these guys are doing stuff that are unprecedented. You have Freddie Freeman just hit his 50th double, beat the all-time LA Dodgers record with over a month left. And then you have uh, Acuna Jr. is doing something that's never happened. And you have to look at that. And then defensively, if you, if you add those two guys, Mookie Betts and Acuna Jr., I think that's who it'll boil down to. But you have to talk about Freddie Freeman. The year he's having just remarkable. And to be teammates, come on, let's go. Chad, I know where your vote would lie. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an Acuna guy, but I, I love Freddie Freeman. I mean, I, I'll always love Freddie Freeman and the way he plays. I, I know, Michael, you, you often look at, you know, how good of a teammate is someone, right? And, and, and that's one that you, you guys I know are looking at on your podcast as well. Freddie Freeman, one of those dudes that's always been known as top-notch in the clubhouse teammate guy, along with others in the league. Yeah, he's he's aging like fine wine too. I mean, he's getting better, and and I think it's because of his simple approach. He brings a lot of the old school game into that new school uh, reality that we're in, where it's a true outcome game. I and mean, he goes to the Dodgers, and so does Mookie Betts. And you think, are they going to lose their ability to hit with two strikes? Are they going to go for that true outcome? These guys have actually made everyone around them better. They've become kind of the, I guess, the staple of what you can be in the big leagues when you can walk, you can run. You can drive in runs. You can sacrifice yourself by moving guys over. All those old school things that we don't do very well anymore. We we more or less focus on, hey, walk, strike out, slugging. These guys are doing a little bit of all of it. And it's because they sit in the dugout. They sit in the clubhouse. They talk to each other. I mean, a great example is JT Martinez. He goes to LA. Him and Mookie are really close. He is on Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts' hip constantly trying to grow and learn, as are those guys. They will take any information and digest it and use it to their advantage. That's why those guys are going to age very well. They're going to continue to get better until they walk away from the game. Michael McHenry with us on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I know scoreboard watching is already happening, but when does it really lock in uh, for those in the playoff hunt or positioning-wise for those that know they're headed to the postseason? I think it's it's constant, and it shouldn't be. I think you should just focus on the day, focus on the game, and not worry about what's maybe lies ahead over the next couple of weeks. If you do, that's when things start to tumble in the wrong direction. But I'll tell you right now that AL West right now, they are looking every second, every minute to see what's happening. It is a fight to the death. Seattle, you know, came out of nowhere. Rodriguez just getting absolutely blistering hot. You knew he was going to have some breakout because he started slow. The trends always show that guys that are, you know, really, really good are going to eventually break out. He did. And they are just hitting the league like an absolute hurricane right now. And I don't know if Texas and Houston could have ever imagined this would happen. Well, you know, Houston's what? They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Texas, well, they've won two games out of the last 10, 10 games. Meanwhile, you mentioned uh, Seattle, 9-1. and one. They were talking about going after Otani around the 
All-Star break. They chose not to. Uh, I, I, we brought this up last week. The teams that were in the mix with the Angels prior to the Angels deciding they were going to keep him. What's the reaction like now knowing what happened to Otani and the elbow? I, I mean, you still got to look. He's still a you know, elite hitter, maybe one of the best, if not the best in the American League or all of baseball. So he's still top-notch and he's probably still going to win the MVP without having to pitch anymore because what he did has never been done. He's done it three seasons in a row. So any team he goes to, knowing the human being and that factor, which I always talk about, you guys just mentioned it, he's a great dude. He makes everyone around him better because he's always smiling, making funny faces. He remembers that this game is just that, a game. Too often guys make it more like work. And I think that's why you see guys, which I love Max, Max Scherzer. I love Verlander uh, to a certain extent. These guys are business. They're not as much fun as Otani is. So when he comes in the clubhouse, he brings an aura that those two can't plus the stuff. Uh, of the teams in the mix for either winning the division or to get a wild card spot in the NL central. And we're seeing the brewers separate just a little bit within that division. Which of those teams is the most dangerous in the postseason? Cincinnati. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because they have some thunder and you need thunder to go into the playoffs and win. I don't think the Cubs have the starting pitching. I, I think they're very consistent, but I, I don't know if I'd go in and, and trust a bunch of guys that throw 88 to 92 to go in and dominate, especially if you don't have Marcus Stroman, you know, leading that pack. But Cincinnati has some thunder. I mean, they have some really, really impressive arms. They have some elite talent at the young level and they have Votto leading that that charge as a leader. So I think they're scary when it comes to central division, but the team I would worry about if I'm in the national league right now is the Phillies. Yep. I mean, they did it last year. They seem to be doing it again this month. They've hit more homers than they ever have in franchise history. Those guys are heating up and Bryce Harper, when he heats up, it seems like that entire team heats up. What's the difference with a guy like Harper Mookie Betts certainly factors into this question too of heating up. You can count on them to do that. In the primetime moments, in the clutch performance moments, they're known for being those guys. What in the guys you've come across throughout your career, is there a, a, a sign? Is there a distinct advantage that they have over the day-to-day -day player that's very consistent but not showing up when it really matters? Absolutely. And, and a lot of times it's something that people don't even notice. It's a foul ball. It, it's a catch in the outfield where they didn't hurt themselves, you know, necessarily. I think when Bryce Harper went to first base, I think anxiety went away because he, he wasn't thinking about his arm. He came back super early, isn't supposed to be throwing that much. And then when he got to the point where he could handle that load and then all of a sudden he can pull with that bottom arm, which is his throwing arm, he starts hitting for power and things start going really, really well. I mean, everybody was talking about his power output. The reality of it is nobody's even tried to play when he was as a DH. So there's going to be some repercussions. That's why Mike Trout coming back from his handmate, he's not going to have the same power, but he is Mike Trout. It may be faster than others because he's going to be on the field faster than most. So you got to look at all those things, but there's always one instant. And I remember Andrew McCutcheon during his MVP years, we were really close and he would look at me after a foul ball and I'd know immediately, man, he just got his timing back. He's ready to go. And he would smile or it'd be a take and he'd smile at me and wink. And sure enough, the next pitch he'd hit either off the wall, in the gap, or over the fence. It was it was remarkable. That's what those guys can do. Those guys that have that elite ability and that elite mindset, they can do things that others just can't. Is owner John Angelos the only person that can slow down the Baltimore Orioles right now? 
Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, they, they have guys in the minor leagues that would be right in the middle of the lineup in the big leagues, especially for the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. I mean, you look at Holiday Sunday, 19, he's doing things that are just absolutely outstanding in the minor leagues. Defensively running, contact, power, he's showing it all, and there's a chance he gets to the big leagues, and if he produces just a hint of what he's doing, that team's going to be even better. So, yes, he's the only person to slow him down. I don't know if it could be this year. Like you guys said last time, it may be a major league effect like the movie mm-hmm. where they're kind of fighting against the ownership to say, hey, you better sign us. You better keep us as a team because we're special. Flash Forward with Michael McHenry and Jack Wilson premieres tomorrow, the new podcast. Uh, the Fort has been with us. Michael McHenry, always great. Appreciate you, man, as always. And, uh, man, can't wait for the, the, the playoff runs to happen because we've got some tight races already. Absolutely. And if you guys want to go to one of those games, let's go. Baltimore, Atlanta. I I still think hey, those two are going to be end up in the Hunt's World Series. Got so let's the go. hook up for Baltimore whenever whenever we want it. He's in with the organization. Him and John Angelos are golf buddies. They're hanging out all the time. So he'll have us up there so at any point. Hunt, you're in his ear. Stop it. Tell, no, tell I'm not him a fan. A I'm not a fan. I, I, I can't even say uh, you know I I have the hookup anymore. I'll be suspended. I won't, I won't be allowed to go inside <laughs> the ballpark. Nobody can suspend you, Hut. Yeah, no well, chance. We'll find out. I am. Uh, Thank you for it. Subscribing to the podcast right now as we speak. Countdown right. clock drops tomorrow. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I man. really appreciate it. You too. Have All a good right. one. Take Michael care. God McHenry. bless. Same to you. Uh, that will be a great podcast and a great trip with him too, Jack. We can get the Braves-Orioles I would love lined that. up. Can you imagine a Braves-Orioles World Series hunting? <laughs> shuttle up uh, from uh, Atlanta to Baltimore in between games as the series shifts with, with the fort. Chad, have a brings, Chad brings his... Uh, Long, my tomahawk. <laughs> long list of uh, you know fan relics and jerseys, and I just have my letter. That uh, I'm I wrote getting them. trouble for racially appropriating, culturally appropriating <laughs> by doing a tomahawk chop in Baltimore. I'll get the chop started, and someone will chop me out of there. They'll throw you out of there. Angelus will have it done. Yeah, I see that uh, goofy tall guy down yeah. in the uh, 18th row. I, I'm, see if I, he'll pay double. This is me being optimistic. That he we're can in the stay 18th if he'll row. pay double. Yeah, if he will give us money. <laughs> To retain one of our minor league all-stars that he could stay. <laughs> but if not, he's got to go. Chad, coming up, we've got some headlines of the day. Cut down across the NFL in five minutes. That's the deadline for all teams to be down to 53. We'll give you the very latest there. Plus, our biggest surprises and uh, biggest disappointments, our predictions for the SEC and the Big Ten. Straight ahead on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. <laughs> 